first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and today we'll be talking about Migration, Wonka, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Color Purple, and The Boy and the Heron. First, let's talk with Connor and Michaela about Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Hi, Connor. Hi, Michaela. Hi. Hi. How are you guys doing? I'm really good today. I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So my first question is for you, Michaela. Can you tell us a little bit about this show? Yeah, so I haven't watched the original movies, but I did read one of the books, and yes, they're pretty similar. Basically, in the show, Percy starts off like he thinks he's just a regular, normal boy, and then eventually he finds out that he's actually a half-blood. When he finds all this information out, everything kind of comes to him at once, and his mom ends up taking him to a camp for Half-Bloods where he discovers a lot more about himself and he eventually finds himself having to go on this quest that he basically has no choice and the weight of the world is in his hands. And kind of picking picking back off of what Michaela just stated about the show, what were your initial thoughts about the portrayal of, you know, Percy Jackson as a 12-year-old modern demigod. <laughs> did you find his character relatable? Yeah, I actually really did. He's like, because he's like in sixth grade and he's just like a normal kid who gets bullied. And it's like, it's really nice to like be, rela- be really relatable to a character sometimes. Right. Interesting. And Michaela, with Percy Jackson, um, you know, it's not necessarily a spoiler because the entire plot is surrounded that Percy is being accused of stealing a powerful weapon, Right. How did the plot build around um, this big accusation? Like, did you feel the storyline was engaging enough to keep you hooked? Yes, for sure. I was engaged, like, the entire time. I remember, I think they showed us two episodes, because after the first episode, I was like, it can't just end here. And after the first (laughs) two episodes, so much information was given. And, like, even though I read the book, there was still so many plot twists. And, like, even... All the action scenes were so good, and yeah, I was really impressed. And Connor, the series is, as Michaela has stated, she's read the book. Um, It's based on the popular book series. So as a Kids First film critic, did you find that this series, did you find this to be a representative of a book or movie? Did it feel very flowing? Did it feel like chapters? What can we expect? Um, It really felt kind of like chapters. So like each episode's like a chapter or two of the book. So like if you've read the book, then you can like kind of, you can kind of predict what's happening and like how it, like how it's like represent, represented. Great. And Michaela, I know that you said that there was a lot of information that was thrown at you, but did you feel that there was, in terms of pacing, did this, you know, did the series keep a good balance between action, character development, and storytelling, or did it feel rushed? It definitely didn't feel rushed. I think although there was a lot thrown at you at once, there was still a balance with Percy creating friendships with the people around him, and we see a lot about his relationship with his mother 
And yeah, there was definitely a good balance for sure. And speaking of balance, Connor, the concept of of Greek mythology intertwined, you know, with modern day settings, it's quite unique. How well do you think the series blends these elements together? I think it like they blended really well because like they like added in some parts where there's like modern stuff like like cell phones. You know, obviously, you know, this is a spoiler-free show. Were there any surprising twists even in the first two episodes or moments that left a lasting impression on you? It's funny cuz I I did read the book and I knew kind of what was going to happen, but it's like The way they did it, it was like almost as if I forgot and then I remembered again. But yeah, there was definitely, even by the end of like the second episode, you're told like very important information. So Awesome. My last question for both of you is what is the age and star rating you gave the show? Starting with you, Connor. I would give it like four out of five stars and recommend it for ages eight to to 18 plus adults. And you, Michaela? I gave it 4.5 out of 5 stars and recommend it for ages 12 to 18 plus adults. Awesome. And Connor, when and where can we watch this show? Uh, You can watch it on Disney Plus December 20th. Oh, I'm definitely watching it. Thank you guys so much for talking with me about this show. I'm so excited to see it. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll be listening to some more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. We've been listening to some great reviews and interviews, and there's more coming up right now. Now, let's listen to Connor's interview with Dan Schatz and John Steinberg, the producers of Percy Jackson and the Olympians.
Connor, recording for Kids First, and today I'm here at the Disney Studios, Burbank, California, to talk to the cast and crew of the new Disney Plus series, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Let's go. What, um, Mr. Steinberg, what made you want to bring this, uh, bring Percy Jackson to life? Um, I think when you find a story that so many people are so excited about and then are given an opportunity to help them make it real and to um, make something that that they can be that excited about. It's really hard to say no to. Cool. Were you able to stay true to the books while filming? Um, yes. I think um, there's definitely things that were in the books that aren't in the show. But I think that there is nothing in the show that doesn't feel like it would have belonged in the books. I think the tone of it and the kind of story we're telling um, are all things that I think Rick felt like um, if I had thought of that 20 years ago, I might just put it in the book. That's awesome. Mr. Schatz, what are some key things you looked for when you were casting your characters? Well, it's a great question. Um, we, you know, these these roles are pretty iconic. Um, and everyone's imagined them in, in so many different ways. But we we got so lucky early on as we started to, to do the worldwide search um, for the show. And we were looking for honesty. We were looking for uh, people that, you know, we could, we could believe in. And specifically with Percy, you needed that humor. You needed that mischievousness. You needed that, uh, that wry, sense, uh, wry sense of humor. You needed, um, you needed that, that, that soul, that deep emotional thing that he could bring out. Without giving away any secrets, um, what are what's some of the technology you used to like create the mythical monsters? So we used we used a bunch of different technology. Um, you may have heard of something called the volume, which um, you may have seen like on Mandalorian, um, which is this vir- giant virtual stage that we could shoot all of our environments in. Um, we did a huge percentage of shooting like that. And then for all the creatures and the monsters, we used both practical uh, practical things and also we used a lot of digital effects that we worked with Industrial Light and Magic, who do all, all of the big movies and shows out there, as you know, Star Wars. Um, and it was to partner with them was incredible because they were completely invested in this and wanted to make sure that all the creatures and design looked perfect. Um, Mr. Steinberg, was there like your, do you have, do you have a favorite scene or moment in the show? That's a good question. Um, I think there are a couple of scenes between Grover and Ares that are not in the book that make me laugh every time I watch them. <laughs> and I'm very excited for people to, uh, to see some of the stuff that, um, that, that's going to be new for them. Um, Mr. Schatz, what do you think visitors uh, and what do you think like people watching this film will take away? I think, you know, the hope is that, you know, this has been such a beloved series for so long, um, uh, book series, and now as a TV series. I hope that we've honored those books and honored the themes that are that are in this. Um, I think why why kids especially have responded to this book for so long is because there are different ways for them to connect to these characters, whether it's feeling like an outsider, trying to fit, feeling, or even a parent who has a kid with learning differences. There's so many different ways to connect to this material, and I think that's why it's resonated across the globe for 20 years. Um, and I hope that they feel that 
throughout the series. Did you guys have, do you, did both of you all have like um, a favorite character in the, in the series? Probably Grover. <laughs> um, the, the, the version of Grover that Ariane um, has helped to build is, um, is, is just one of those characters on screen that you, it's very easy to fall in love with. Yeah. I, have, I have so many. I can't, I can't even choose, but yeah, Grover's amazing. Walker, who plays Percy's amazing. Leah, who plays Annabeth. And then all the gods. I mean, we just, you know, and creatures. Um, we just got, got to work with so many amazing, talented people. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. With, to me with, thanks to for doing this. You're Those awesome, good man. Questions. Those are amazing questions. Thanks. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll be listening to some more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. We've been listening to some great reviews and interviews, and there's more coming up right now. Now joining us on the show are Kids First film critics Tia and Ava Lynn, who are going to talk to us about The Boy and the Heron. How are you guys? Good. I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. So first off, let's start off with Tia. Tia, can you tell me about what The Boy and the Heron is about? Of course. So The Boy and the Heron follows a young character named Mahito, and he tragically loses his mother in a fire. And throughout the story, he comes in contact with the gray Heron, who like suggests that his mother is still alive. And basically the whole plot is Mahito trying to find his mother. Um, as you mentioned, Mahito's journey is, you know, sparked as you mentioned, by the belief that his mom might still be alive. How did you find the betrayal of Mojito's um, emotions and motivations throughout this film? Were they, um, I, I realize that this is an animated, um, you know, an animated feature. Can you tell me how his emotions and motivations were throughout this movie? Of course. So I would have to say that his motivation at first is very, 
like at first he doesn't believe the Huron. That's the best way I can describe it. Like he's like, sure, sure, my mom is still alive, <laughs> but he somehow like gets sucked into a portal or something. The movie's very out there. It's a little confusing for the first watch, but throughout the uh, story, you just see how it plays out. I'm sorry, but this this movie was it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> very interesting. And Evelyn. The idea of entering another world, right? How did this movie handle the transition between Mojito's reality and the alternate world he discovers? I think that when he enters the world, he's very confused and he doesn't really believe it, that it's real. Right. Mm-hmm. And when he enters the world, he's like, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. And Tia, the heron as you mentioned, plays a pivotal role in guiding Mahito. Um, you know, what kind, what did you think about that relationship um, about, and the talking heron? Like, did you find it believable? Did you find it engaging? Did you relate to that character? It was definitely an interesting relationship between the main character and the heron, because at first they're like, I believe like in the first half of the movie, they get into like a fight. But they kind of guide each other through the mysterious world. And they're kind of frenemies. But it's a very interesting dynamic. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to that. We all have a frenemy in our lives. I might relate to this character. Okay. (laughs) And and Avalyn, do you think this movie would still be as great if it were live action rather than animated? Yes, I think it would be just as good. Great. And Tia, were there any standout moments or scenes in the movie that particularly captured your attention or imagination? You know, like, if so, you know, what made those moments special to you? You know, you can just mention maybe the cinematography or the environment, just so, obviously, we don't give any spoilers. (laughs) Of course. So this film is animated by world-renowned animator Hayao Miyazaki. And Every scene is stunning. I I just have to say that. So it's kind of hard to pick a favorite scene. (laughs) But when they first land into this mysterious world that they're like transported into, they land on like a beach scene. And the way the ocean waves crashed was stunning. And like the sky was like purple, like just a bunch of different colors. That blew me away, first of all. And the sound effects as well. They are some realistic sound effects. Like, if you weren't watching, you were just listening, it, it sounded like a live-action movie. So those are my two favorite things about The Boy and the Huron. Oh, that's fantastic. Especially, um, I believe it's an, it's an anime-styled movie. Is that correct? Yes. That makes it even better. That's awesome. So the aesthetic is on point. And Evelyn, The Boy and the Heron, obviously, as you both have mentioned, it touches on, like, big themes, loss, discovery, the power of belief. How effectively do you think the movie um, really portrayed these themes to its audience? Like, you know, was it relatable to younger viewers? I think it was relatable to anybody that has experienced a loss of a loved one. Well, that's great to hear. A lot of people will definitely be glad to hear that and definitely will relate to this film. And now we're going to pivot a little bit. And I want to ask this question to both of you. First off, Tia. And then we'll start off with Evelyn next. 
who, if you could be a character in this film, who would you be and why? Tia, starting with you. Ooh, this is a tricky one. <laughs> I would have to say, this is a tricky one. I'd have to say the Huron because he's kind of goofy and that really resonates with me. He gets into trouble, but at the same time, he has like good intentions. So definitely the Huron for sure. Okay. And Evelyn. I would be Kariko because she's really fierce and independent and really brave. And I love how she helps the Wara Wara. Ooh, okay. Fierce and brave. I like that. And my last questions, my last question for both of you, or at least for one of you right now. Um, so Tia, starting with you, what is your age and star rating for this film? Um, I'd give the boy in the Huron three out of five stars. And would recommend it to ages 12 to 18 plus adults. And Avalyn, what is your age and star rating for The Boy and the Heron? I give The Boy and the Heron 4 out of 5 stars and recommend it ages 12 to 18 plus adults. And Tia, when and where can we watch this film? It released December 8, 2023, and I believe it's still showing in theaters. Oh, that's fantastic. I am definitely going to try and attempt to watch it until or if it comes out on a streaming service but thank you so much tia and avalyn for coming on the show it was so great talking with you guys you too thank you thank you let's take a break and when we come back we'll be listening to some more awesome reviews and interviews stay tuned Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. We've been listening to some great reviews and interviews, and there's more coming up right now. Now, we are going to be talking with Hanadi and Alma, who are Kids First film critics, about the new movie, Migration. How are you, Hanadi and Alma? Good. I'm great. 
That is fantastic. It's great to have you guys back on the show. So my first question is for you, Hanadi. Can you give the audience a little, you know, tidbit about what Migration, the movie, is about? Yes. So Migration is about a family of ducks who have always sort of stayed in their pond. They never really explored and they have a really deep, dark fear of the world. And the movie is about them and they meet another family who migrates for the summer. And, you know, the mom is very adventurous, so she wants to try it. And it's ultimately an adventure of them finding their way to Jamaica. Ooh, sounds fancy. And to make this clear, this is an animated film, right? Yes. Great, because it would be funny if it was a live action, the way you <laughs> described it. <laughs> So my next question is for you, Alma. What were your initial thoughts about migration before watching it? Like, did the film meet your expectations? Uh, it actually exceeded my expectations. Wow. I-, I saw the trailer a bunch of times, like every time I went to the theater I played. And, you know, I thought it would be like a little kids movie, but I watched it and it was really, really funny. I loved it. That's great. That's great. And Alma... The movie portrays a family of ducks embarking on an unexpected <laughs> yes. journey. How effectively do you think the theme of adventure was conveyed throughout the film? I think it was conveyed really well. Uh, the dad, Mac, is really, really scared of the entire world. Like, he's never been there. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's scared for his family. And the mom, Pam, convinces him to go out and embark on this amazing adventure, you know, migration. It's about adventure and it's about seeing what life has to offer. That, yes, yeah, sure, that that might be a little scary, but that it's also so, 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 so worth it. Great. And my next question is for both of you, starting with you, Hanadi. If you were able to take any expected migration to any place, where would it be and why? Um, if I could take migration to any place, I would probably choose Africa because I just think it's it's so fun there. I've been there before, so I would definitely choose Africa because I just think it'd be such a fun place. Okay, awesome. And how about you, Alma? If you were able to migrate anywhere unexpectedly, where would you go and why? I would go to Rome. I absolutely love mythology. And so like Greek and Roman mythology. And I went to Athens like one time and it was the best thing ever. And I really want to see the Colosseum. And Hanadi, the next question is for you. Which character did you find most relatable or interesting in migration and why? The character I found most relatable, I would probably say, is the mom, Pam, because she just has such an adventurous spirit. And she is a little scared, but she also wants to to go discover some more. And she wants the best for her family. So I would say Pam. Great. And Alma, the film, obviously, as Hanadi mentioned with the first recap in the beginning, we obviously, as the audience, have to see all these places that they're migrating to you know, from New England to New York City, how did the visuals, backgrounds, and environments contribute to the storytelling? Were they realistic? Were they, you know, stereotypical? How did you feel about them? It seems so magical when they soar through the sky. 
and the views they made are absolutely majestic. And I really love it when they make it to New York. It's like a bird's eye view from New York, literally. <laughs> That's great. And Hanadi, um, um, I, I believe Alma really touched on on her version of the lesson um, that she got from migration. But what lessons do you think younger viewers can take away from migration? I think a message that younger viewers can take away from migration is to follow your dreams and follow your heart. And if you feel like you can do it, then you definitely should, no matter how how much fear you have in that moment. I think to just go for what you want and um, don't be afraid to take steps towards it. I love that. That's amazing. So Alma, how did you feel if you could rate the acting from one being the worst and five being the absolute best, where would you rate um, the overall movie in terms of acting? I would rate it five. It's an animated film, of course, so they're voice acting. They're not actually acting, but they managed to like say their lines in a way that's just... I was laughing the entire movie, like especially the character of Uncle Dan. I love Uncle Dan. He's my favorite character. It's just, it probably helps that it's Danny DeVito portraying him, but he's, yeah, he's just, he's so funny. The acting was just really well done. They managed to make me laugh all the time. Oh, that's, that's great. So, um, Hanadi, would you say that this movie is uh, more adventure? Is it more of a comedy? Is it, um, you know, what, what do you think the theme is um, or the overall subject is? Where does it land in the movie spectrum? I would say it lands on, ooh, it touches on a little bit of everything. So that's a tough one. I would say it is a family-friendly, like, adventure movie with a touch of comedy in it. Oh, that's okay. I, that's actually, that's a good balance. I would say one thing about this, about animated films is, what makes or breaks an adventure movie, as you described it, um, Hanadi? And I'll give this question to Alma. How was the music in this film? Was the soundtrack really adventurous? Did it sweep you off your feet? Was it whimsical? Was it uh, comedic? You know, how was how was how was the soundtrack in this film? The soundtrack was really well done. Like I was scared when the ducks were scared. I was like I was soaring through the sky with them as they like dove between the clouds. It was just, it was really well done. Like, hats off to them. That's great to hear. And wrapping up with you, with this amazing interview with you guys, starting off with Hanadi, what is your age and star rating for migration? My age rating for migration is 5 to 18 plus adults, and my star rating is a 5 out of 5. I rate it five out of five stars, and I recommend Migration for ages 2 to 18, and I especially recommend it for families. Amazing. And finally, Hanadi, when and where can we watch this film? You can see Migration on December 22nd in theaters. Ooh, that's close. Well, by the time this is uploaded, me and the audience can go ahead and watch it. So thank you so much, Hanadi and Alma, for joining me today. It was a great time talking with you. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll be listening to some more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned. Voice America is on LinkedIn. 
Connect with us today. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. We've been listening to some great reviews and interviews, and there's more coming up right now. Hi, I'm Panati, reporting for Kids First. Today, I'm live at the Melbourne Hotel, where I have the incredible t- opportunity to talk to the voices that brought the charming characters of migration to life. We also have an insightful solo session with the visionary director, Benjamin Renner, where he takes us behind the scenes of migration. Get ready for an inside look into making this animated adventure and the voices behind the fetters. Let's fly in. Okay, so I just want to talk to you guys today. I'm really excited, by the way. <laughs> so, Miss um, Aquafina. Chump is intentionally designed as a strong-willed character with unique traits, such as a missing leg. How did you approach bringing um, out the intelligence and the mystery in Chump's character? Well, um, I'm, I'm from New York City, so we love pigeons out there. We have a lot of them. So I kind of took my inspiration from that. Um, I think that uh, Chump, de- definitely, I, I like your description of her. I think that she is very strong-willed, um, and I think that she kind of lives in a, a really chaotic environment, you know, so, but, and, and, I, and I can kind of uh, relate to that. So because you, like, lived in New York, you were able to take some of the elements from, like, living there and you were able to apply to Trump because she's also from New York. Yeah. New York, sorry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, Mr. Key, mm-hmm. Delroy embarks on an extraordinary journey in this film. As the voice behind this adventurous character, what aspects of Delroy's journey did you find most appealing or entertaining? Um, I, I would find like, appealing first. I would say that it was appealing that as soon as he becomes free, I, I think he really takes a lot of um, pleasure in helping the Mallard family go to Jamaica. He, he's really proud of his homeland and he really wants to show them what it's like and how beautiful it is and all the magic that's there. And what was exciting is to be able to play, is, is being able to lend my voice to that excitement because he really 
is so happy that he's going to be able to go back to his family. So I think that part of what he's identifying with is that there's a family that's making a move across the world um, for themselves, but then at the same time he's helping them so that he can join his family. So probably the most appealing part is he was like, his, him like having excitement around being able to help this family go to his yes. hometown and being able to go back to his homeland too. That's right, that's absolutely right. Okay, Miss Aquafina, Chunk becomes like a guardian angel for her fellow pigeons. How does she navigate the balance between her street smart personality and the caring and protective nature she exhibits towards the Mallard family? Um, well, I think that uh, Chump likes to to kind of suss people, size people up, and 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 when she feels like you're on on her good side or someone that she can appreciate, I think that that's when she will will come around and and kind of leave that like hardened shell, you know, and just kind of yeah. I, and I think that she she did. She, I think that she she is capable of forming real like friendships, and and she did like them at the end. Yeah. So, Mr. Key, Delroy's Jamaican dialect plays a significant role. How did you prepare and embrace this aspect of the character? Well, I prepared by by working with a dialect coach, and the dialect coach uh, I was very fortunate. He was he's a person of Jamaican descent, and so he was even. Uh, able and willing to give me some little tidbits about uh, about the Jamaican accent that that um, I think somebody else may not have been able to do which was a lot of fun certain words for example there there's um there's the, like if I was saying the word car we're going to get into the car and go away you put a y after the c so you get into the car we're going to get into the car and go and go away and so it was nice to be able to have those little those little fun changes that I could use as anchors when I was using the dialect. I would have never thought of it like that. <laughs> so, Miss Aquafina, Chump guides the Mallards to the urban jungles of New York City. Can you share any experiences or challenges you faced in portraying this dynamics of this unconventional role? Oh uh, wow! I mean, honestly, it was it was it was a, it was a pleasure. You know, I think I I, I played. I think my, this is my my fourth or fifth bird. So uh, none of them being um, from my actual uh, hometown, New York City. Um, so I was I was just really happy to to play, and, and also I think that she's really funny, you know. Like it, so that was it's just fun. Um, but yeah, I, I I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I love the movie so much. Uh, so it was just more or less just like just fun. Like there wasn't any particular challenges that you had. Well, no, because I think I I, I felt really comfortable like in in her skin. I would say I, I'd say that like. Uh, you know, I grew up with a lot of different chumps around me uh, <laughs> constantly. So, like, uh, you know, it, it felt, it, and in those ways, it, it just becomes a pleasure um, to be able to play roles like that. So it just felt very natural. Yeah. Okay, so I would love to hear you guys' take on both of this. So Chump and Delroy have distinctive personalities. How did you envision the, the dynamics between Chump and Delroy, and were there any interactions or scenes that stood out to you particularly? I loved when he gets, when he when he like flies, I, when, I when he breaks that. out, when he gets yes. out of the cage, yeah. I loved that. That was one of my favorite yeah. scenes in the movie. Yes. Yeah, and I love that she comes and she's you know she helps him blow his nose. I think that's really fun. <laughs> that she, you can tell you can tell that that his only connection to the outside world mm. is this pigeon, and yes. and so this pigeon comes and visits him and takes care. Here's mm. a person that that Chump trusts and uh, and is trying. You can see you. I think in that scene you get to see Chump's heart. Mm. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite scenes too. I feel like I really understood their dynamic when I saw that scene. Mm -hmm. yeah. So my last question for you guys is, what message do you hope that young viewers will take away from watching this film? I think uh, one message that young viewers can take away from this film is to take, the ch take chances. 
is if you if you take chances, then that's the only way that you're going to discover what you're made of and what you can do and how you can move forward in the world. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll be listening to some more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. We've been listening to some great reviews and interviews, and there's more coming up right now. Hi, I'm Renati, reporting for Kids First. Today, I'm live at the Melbourne Hotel, where I have the incredible opportunity to talk to the voices that brought the charming characters of migration to life. We also have an insightful solo session with the visionary director, Benjamin Renner, where he takes us behind the scenes of migration. Get ready for an inside look into making this animated adventure and the voices behind the fetters. Let's fly in. Okay, so Migration is your first feature for a major U.S. studio. How did this experience differ from your previous work? Oh, well, um, as you say, I came from uh, much more, I, I've come from France and I did like movies in France with a smaller studio and hand-drawn animation, meaning that I was just using a pen, you know, like doing drawings basically. And it was the first time of my life working with 3D, which was very different from me because it's not the same, you know, like drawing a character and making it into 3D. So it was quite stressful because I didn't know how to do that. But fortunately enough, you know, I knew I was working with a studio that I did Mario, Despicable Me, so I knew they were very talented with that, so 
I just went to the studio, started working with them, and they were so good at making ducks, you know, like in 3D, that everything went well. That's how it happened. So one of the major different things from you was like the animation style because it was 3D and not like yeah. hand-drawn? Well, the major difference, to be honest with you, is that it's more like the way I was talking to them because I'm used to work with people and tell them, oh, let's add this character or let's make the character be like this or like that and, you know, open his mouth wide or stuff like that. And people in the studio were like, oh, we should have, we can't make this happen because we didn't think that through. Because when you do an, a character in 3D, you have to imagine that you're building like a wooden puppet, you know, like, and you have to imagine every element of how it's going to move. You know, if it has to frown upon you, you have to make the mechanism so that it can frown upon and everything, or smile like this. And, and me in 2D, I can do whatever I want. You know, if I want my character to transform into, I don't know, like a crocodile or something, I can do it, but here it's not possible. You know, you have to think this through beforehand. So that was more like, like, you know, the kind of behavior where I came in and said, let's do this. And they were like, uh, 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 it's going to be complicated. And so we learned how, I learned how to be more prepared, you know, like beforehand, be just like not coming up with ideas all the time and just think this through. <laughs> yeah, that was the main thing. You know? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what elements did you prioritize as a director to ensure that migration stands out as a visually stunning and emotionally an emotional film? Yeah, well, that's always what you want to do when you do a movie, you know, you want it to be incredible and something grand and everything, and we had to find what was going to make this film unique, and, and in a sense, you know, like, the simple fact that we are talking about ducks doing a migration was already, like, a subject that was very exciting for us and quite unique, and it's mostly the fact that we're you know, like really connecting this adventure to a human family dynamic, you know, it's not just ducks, you know, it's also a family with a mother and the father and having the bickering and the kids, you know, like being the, themselves. And, and that's, that's what's making this film a little bit special. So what role did the talented team at Elimination play in shaping the final look of Migration? Oh, well, they, they were already very talented. You know, it's a studio, they made Mario, they made Despicable Me, so they're so talented. And there's something that I love with them, is that they're going to create those weird creatures, those weird design, and make it feel so real. Like, you know, a minion, it's, it's a weirdest shaped creature, you know? But at the same time, when you see it, you know, you feel you can touch it when you watch it in the movie. And, and even the humans, they're weirdly shaped, but still, you know, they have a beautiful skin, beautiful clothes and everything. You feel you can be there and touch them. And that's what was great with this movie is that we could have those ducks in a real world, but, but they also look very funny looking, you know, they have those weird shaped, you know, like body. And at the same time, when you watch the feathers, it's so beautiful, you know, when they're flying, you can see the feathers shaking and you can really feel the wind in, in your face, almost like the, the way they animated that. So they have a talent to make those weird design and image, like weirdest idea we can have and make it happen, you know, on the screen and make it feel so like you could touch it. And, and so that's what's really exciting about it, yeah. So they like take like our weirdest and wildest dreams and they make them like exactly. somewhat like dreamy and comforting in a way? Exactly, that's a, like you come up with the weirdest idea and they will make it move and live and, and, and be real, yeah. <laughs> so my last thing for you yeah. is what message do you hope viewers will take away from watching this? Well, uh, the message is definitely, you know, like how, 
like to convince people that it's really important to get out of your comfort zone, you know, like that routine is great. It's cool to be sometimes in routine and, and be comfortable, but it's also important to face your fears, you know, like to challenge life and, and make sure that you don't just stay running in circle in your little, little you know, like comfort zone and you really try to evolve. And, and for that, you have to accept that fear is going to be part of it. And it's important to face fear and, and, and that's it, you know, like that. We wanted to share this idea with a lot of comedy and, and everything, but that's the deepest message of the movie, like just to make sure that people remind us, we remind the audience of that and that it's important and, and that you're going to be rewarded if you do that. Well, I absolutely love that message. Thank you so much for you're talking welcome. with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, uh, for your time. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll be listening to some more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. We've been listening to some great reviews and interviews, and there's more coming up right now. We are now switching gears to the newest film that has been rocking the scenes in entertainment, Wonka. We're going to be talking with the Kids First Film critics, Kira and Chris and Kennedy, about this new film. Welcome to the show, Kira and Kennedy. Hi. Hi. Well, first, let's start with Kennedy. Can you tell us a little bit about Wonka, about what Wonka is about? Um, based on the character at the center of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Ronald Dahl's book and one of the best-selling children's books of all time, Wonka tells the story of how the greatest inventor and magician chocolate maker became the beloved Willy Wonka we know today. Amazing. Okay, so it's like a reboot in a kind of way, a backstory. Yeah, it's like, it's like a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I love that. And Kira, 
what aspects of Willy Wonka, Wonka's backstory, stood out to you most? How did it change or enhance your understanding of this character that we've all known and loved? So, in so, just for a little bit of background before this movie, in the first two films, it's like in the first two films, in Charlie and the Chocolate. Factory Willy Wonka does not have parents. In the second one, Willy Wonka has daddy issues, so he has a father. <laughs> and in this one, he has no father, but he has a mother. This one, and uh, it is I don't I've never read the book, so I don't know if, if in the book Willy Wonka had a mother or not. But this is the second time we see Willy Wonka having a parent. Very interesting. That is that is honestly a great film analysis because that is true. We hear about Willy Wonka's father, oh, well, mother, and then we hear a little bit about his father. That's that's very interesting. Thank you for that film analysis. And Kennedy, going back to you, in what ways did the film explore Wonka's journey as a young chocolatier? Like, did um, did it effectively portray that youthfulness, determination, and passion for his craft? Um, yes, it did. It like showed when he was young, when it was with his mother, and he her his mother made the chocolate for him, and he kept it for all of his life. And then he wanted to be a magician, so he was like a chocolate magician. And it's just really cool and how the aspects of that they made it. That is very interesting. That's that's a really great aspect that you say that he wanted to be a chocolate magician. That makes sense because of his hat. It's like a magician's hat. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for that, Kennedy. And Kira, Willy Wonka, obviously, he's a very eccentric, odd, whimsical character. Did the film and the movie shed light on the origins of these characteristics? How did that, you know, like, you know, did it explain why he's such a, you know, big personality? Uh, yes, it explained. So his, so in like around the middle, around the middle, it showed the, mo- the like, we see like a flashback of his mother making the chocolate and, and, we, and before, and his mom told him, about the gallery gourmet, the place where all the other chocolate tears are. Very interesting. And Kennedy, the description mentions that Wonka changing the world one delectable bite at a time. How did the film illustrate his his impact on the world through his creations or innovations, or do we not see that impact yet? It like how it showed him making chocolate, and it showed how he was believing in himself and he knew that he could do it even if there was hard stuff along the way he still believed in in himself no matter what and i really like that that's great and kira being that this is a prequel as kennedy had mentioned and you know it's a it's a backstory how well did the film tie into the original willy wonka stories that that you have mentioned and did it complement or expand upon the existing narrative that we all know? So, you know how in the the first two Willy Wonka movies were like the golden tickets? Yes. There is no mention of a golden ticket in this film. So it's like rewriting the entire 
your backstory of William Wonka. It's just like we never kn knew anything about like this. Just so this just dive. This goes into like a whole new path from the first two films. That's great. And Kennedy, on to you. Without giving away any spoilers, did the film leave any? open-ended questions or hints about Willy Wonka's future adventures or relationships like did it kind of hint to the existing movies like you know about his factory or anything um yes when it ends not giving any spoilers away it shows him kind of making the factory and like with all the candy and stuff, and it was really beautiful and cute with all, like all the little chocolate bars and stuff. Oh, that's awesome! And as we're wrapping up this fantastic interview, starting with you, Kira, can you give us the age and star rating for this film? For me, the age rating would be eight to eighteen, and I rate it five out of five stars. Great. And Kennedy, what's your age and star rating? Um, I give Wonka five out of five stars and recommend it for ages eight to 12 plus adults. Fantastic. We love a five out of five star film. And finally, Kira, when and where can we watch Wonka? Has been, was released on December 15th. Wow. So it's still in theaters, hopefully. So our audience, you guys can watch it. Well, thank you so much, Kennedy and Kira for joining us. Thank you. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll be listening to some more awesome reviews and interviews. Stay tuned. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. We've been listening to some great reviews and interviews, and there's more coming up right now. Now, we're going right into our lovely interview with Sydney about the new uh, adaptation of The Color Purple. How are you, Sydney? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. So, obviously, this is a new adaptation of the film. Um, are you familiar with the previous film? Yes, I am, but I have 
different. I've heard about it, but I haven't actually watched it. But from this point of view, I feel like that's an original, and I should I should watch it after watching <laughs> The Color Purple. Don't worry, I haven't watched it either. <laughs> with with that being said, with you know us both haven't watched the film, and obviously there are other a lot of other people who haven't watched the original film. Um, do you think that this new adaptation, you know, is, um, you know, a, a good watch in general? Oh, absolutely. I love this film. Every part of it. It was brilliant. They had brilliant acting, engaging musical numbers, and the storyline was amazing. And this is honestly one of the best movies I've ever seen. Wow. And speaking of the storyline, let's, um, you know, keep our audience up to date on what this film is about some people haven't watched the trailer yet but can you give us a little synopsis about the color purple of course so as we said this is a musical remake of the 1985 film and it follows Celie, who struggles to find freedom in her life but once her children are taken away from her she's sent away to live with a really controlling husband who doesn't allow Celie to be with her sister so as you can tell it's a lot of action but overall, there's a balance, and that's really what's important. How did the movie's portrayal of uh, Celie's hardships and struggles affect you as a viewer? I know you said that this was one of the best films you've ever watched. So I definitely was sympathetic because, like you said, she did go through a lot. And it was it was really hard to see because a lot of the scenes involved abuse, whether that was physical or emotional. And just dealing with that all your life, I cannot even imagine how hard that was for her. Especially because this happened to actual people in real life at this time. So that was crushing. But also it gave me hope because Steely found beauty in the little things. With that being said, which character stood out to you most in terms of character development, acting skills, or the actor that portrayed them? You know, uh, you know, was there a particular relationship that resonated with you? Oh, that's a great question. So yeah, Celie was my favorite character because her breakthrough, not only with the people around her, but with herself was really, really motivational because no matter how difficult her life got, she pushed through and that that's really important. Oh, wow. Okay. So what are your thoughts on the performances of the actors, especially in portraying the complex emotions and growth of the characters that you mentioned. Oh, the actors were so amazing. They did a wonderful job at portraying their characters and conveying emotion. Like we said, it's very emotional and it enhances the storyline and sort of brings the movie to life, which is very beneficial. Some of the actors were Fantasia Barino, Holly Bailey, which she's in The Little Mermaid, um, Corey Hawkins, Coleman Domingo, and her, the singer. Overall, they just did an amazing job at portraying their individual characters, but together as a whole, some of the best actors I've seen in a while. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. So in terms of, of did this film have more of an emphasis on singing and music, or did it have more of an emphasis on the acting? I would call this a musical just because it does have a long song, soundtrack excuse me but I think they focused more on the acting because there were a lot of emotional scenes and acting but there are musical numbers so I will not say that they don't include that because it was just like I said balance and I would recommend um listening to 
the soundtrack by herself because it is very, very powerful. Um, were there any particular like songs or did the movie like immediately after it was done, were you like, I have to listen to this song or the entire soundtrack uh, again by myself? Um, yes. <laughs> so after the ending song or the song played during the credits was really good. So when I got home, I listened to the soundtrack and it was very, very, very emotional. But it also did a really good job of depicting what was going on in the movie. Like we don't pay enough attention to the lyrics, but the lyrics were very, very on point and the songs are really catchy. So that's great. <laughs> Oh, that's good to hear. I love movies where I can be like, I can have and add some a new song to my playlist. That's amazing. And so mm -hmm. I know you mentioned this as as well, but um, despite being set in a different time period, do you feel the themes and messages of the movie are are relevant to audiences today, especially younger audiences? The message I received the most was that life can be difficult, but no matter what what life is beautiful when you can persevere and I feel like every single person in our society can take that to heart no matter um what you're going through someone is going through something that you don't know about and they choose to stay positive which is very impactful and even if you don't choose to stay positive it's also good to know that you will get out of this situation and life is beautiful no matter what so there are also themes of family and friendship, which relationships are really important in our lives. So I think the messages are very strong and impactful to everybody. Cindy, that is very powerful. Thank you so much for that message. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure someone listening to this podcast right now is going to be very thankful for that message. And oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and with wrapping up this awesome interview, what is the age and star rating that you give this film? I recommend The Color Purple for ages 12 to 18 plus adults, and I give it five out of five stars. I definitely think this movie is going to win a lot of awards. Oh, we'll see. And when and where can we watch The Color Purple? The Color Purple comes out in theaters on Christmas, which is December 25th, 2023. So make sure to watch it. Oh, I'm excited. Well, thank you so much, Sydney, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the newest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media, for Voice America and iHeartRadio. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening. This is the last show of the year for us. I want to give a big thank you to all of our listeners. We can't wait to come back next year with even more great movie reviews and interviews. From all of us here at Kids First, happy holidays, happy new years, and we'll see you in 2024. you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. 
Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.